Andrew Carnegie's corporation started in 1911 and gave out $1.4 billion in grants between 2012 and 2022. The goal of the corporation was to promote the advancement and diffusion of knowledge and understanding. This looked like building libraries across the world to start. It ventured into being part of the creation of Pell Grants and the discovery of insulin. All of this was possible because Carnegie sold his business and received $480 million from JP Morgan in 1901. That's worth hundreds of billions of dollars after being adjusted for inflation, according to the Carnegie Corporation. The craziest part is that he worked a job until he was 33. Hear more about his journey on the podcast, but the key thing to remember is play big now and impact people for years to come. So you might be sitting here, you might be like, okay, I want to play big now and I want to impact people for years to come. Carnegie sold his business in 1901. He's still impacting people over a hundred years later to the tune of billions of dollars. What does it look like for me to play big now so that I can impact people later? What did Carnegie do to get to where he was? I'm not going to tell you that you're going to be the richest man in the world. Like Andrew Carnegie, I mean, he was literally the richest guy in the world at that time. And he had the first billion dollar corporation. I think the Carnegie Institute said his peak wealth was like 320 something million or 480 million or it was something in the hundreds of millions that is worth hundreds of billions now. They, I think they estimated his wealth on the website to be worth 300 semi billion dollars. So if his wealth was translated to today, he'd be the richest guy right now. I think Elon might have got up there, but I think he dropped back down. Regardless, Andrew Carnegie was stacked. So I'm not telling you that you're going to be stacked like that, but you can start building wealth by following some of the principles that he followed in his life. I would say the first pivotal moment that he went through was taking the leap into business from being a superintendent on the railroad. And this is really the first big thing because while you're working for somebody, you're collecting a wage and your risk is minimized. You don't have a ton of responsibility, but your upside is extremely limited. You can only pay, get paid what you're worth to the company, as opposed to making the company a very valuable asset. That is a system that produces cash flow for you. Your money is always tied to your time. And so when he took the leap, he grew up pretty poor. Being a superintendent on the... Um, on the railroads was a very big deal. Like he was making a good amount of change and it allowed him to kind of be debt free and own his property. And once he hit some of those milestones, he was ready to take the leap. I think something we can learn from that is, I know I'm 24, I know I'm really entrepreneurial and I'm doing stuff now, but I still work a W-2. And until my cash flow exceeds my W-2 by a good amount and I have some savings and my debts paid down, and we have solidified a place to live or 12 to 24 months worth of living expenses, that's when I'll fully take the plunge. Until then, I don't know if it'll happen unless the kind of cash flow and the momentum is just skyrocketing. I'm not really about taking on a ton of risk. Now, to be fair, it's risky to stay in a job. It's risky to spend time playing small, right? But what we can learn from Carnegie is he was doing some business stuff while he was being the superintendent. He was trying to be the best at where he was and that helped him grow. He took his skills, he took his execution, took his knowledge, and he was able to take the leap after setting some solid foundational milestones in terms of finances, right? 
So he took the leap at 33. And where did he go to? He went to building bridges. So he took a lot of his industry experience on the railroads alongside like metal and iron and all that stuff was getting really big in society. It was becoming the foundation of society. He built on his experience and started uh, building bridges from iron. He was like, yo, I'm gonna take this product and I understand how it works. I understand how we put it down, how we lay it, how we construct it. Let's start building bridges and doing that profitably for the cities and for the companies that need them. So that's what his leap was. He built on the experience that he had from his prior W-2 job or just professional experience. Like a lot of us want to jump into a business that we know nothing about, which that's kind of me right now. Like I've been doing this podcast for two years and I want to jump into buying and selling businesses. And at a certain point, you just have to pick up experience somehow and you either do it in a job or in the business. And I'm young enough to where I don't really have any experience in any industry. And so I'll probably pick up my experience doing business, right? Like I, I have some real estate experience from some stuff I've done, but nothing crazy. Like I haven't closed a bunch of transactions. I've done one transaction. I've gotten some stuff under contract here and there, but building on that experience, building on what you've been learning for the past couple of years is key. And that's what sober living is for me. That's what niching down this podcast is for me. And it's helping me learn and grow and develop my network and build my cash flow, which will help me take the leap to the bigger thing that I'm trying to do. So always build on your industry experience and be ready to take the leap after solidifying a financial foundation and a foundation of skills that can take you to the next step. So build the foundation, get ready to take the leap, and then after that foundation is built, build on that foundation when you take the leap. Don't go into something that you're completely inexperienced in. Leverage some strengths that you have, whether it be communication, your discipline, your execution, your industry knowledge, your network. Leverage something. <clears throat> or leverage something that somebody else has. Sometimes an opportunity falls in your lap and you can leverage the expertise of another person and profit off of it in a way that's not connected to your time. So you don't only have to leverage your industry experience, you can also leverage other people's experience. Now, what did he do after he was building bridges? So he built the foundation, then he took the leap building on that foundation, and then he further built on it. Something that came up was that we don't do things that compound. Well, this compounded for Carnegie. He went into the steel industry. And so he was already dealing with metal, he was already kind of building bridges, and then he was like, okay, I'm gonna go innovate in the growing steel industry. He came up with a couple of things that um, revolutionized the steel industry. I don't remember exactly what the innovations were, but basically, he got some experience and some finances, built the foundation of that. He built on that experience to his first entrepreneurial uh, adventure, right? And then he built on that adventure to go solve problems. He now had the expertise and the knowledge and the network to actually innovate in an industry and be at the front of a rapidly growing market that was the steel industry. After that, it was time to solidify his unique selling proposition, solidify his spot amongst the competition. And not really amongst the competition, but on top of the competition. And this is what we all learned in school about these... Um, robber barons is maybe what we called them but anyway vertical integration build the foundation build on that foundation further build on that foundation um, and then solidify your position after you've done all this building he vertically integrated 
um, to save costs and beat competitors. So now he's not having to go to other businesses for these ancillary services. He decided he's gonna own these businesses that are doing these ancillary services, which means he can do stuff at cost, which means he can get products and services for a cheaper cost, which will help him beat his competitors on price, on efficiency, on systems. And what I got from this is, you know, a lot of us aren't gonna vertically integrate, but how you can think about vertically integrating is serving your customer before and after they need your product. A lot of people focus on serving the customer with the product they have. So like, if I'm gonna help you lose weight, um, and it's gonna be through a workout plan, I'm only gonna help you do that workout plan. But before we actually do the workout plan, you need to plan the workout plan. You need to plan a diet. You need to get a couple friends to commit with you. And if I help you do those three things, and then after planning it, we do the workout, and I cook food for you, and I hold your friends accountable for you, and we execute the workout plan together at set times, now I'm kind of vertically integrating the product. And then on the back side of that, we get you the supplements you need and I own that company or get an affiliate deal with a supplement company. Now you're starting to realize how you can serve your customer before they need your product and after they need your product. And so you have to really get clear on the customer's journey, not just to you, but like what are they doing before that? The three to five steps they're doing before that and the three to five steps they're doing after that to get to their end result to build their ideal life. And once you start to understand that, you can serve your customer before and after they need your product and that will really help you um, just scale and get that kind of vertical integration going because you'll beat your competitors based on the value that you're providing. And then finally, after he built that foundation and he took the leap into the first entrepreneurial adventure and built on that adventure to start innovating in the growing steel industry, solving problems. So build the foundation, build on experience, go solve problems, then serve your customer before and after they need your product by maximizing value. He cashed out. He sold to JP Morgan and then he created his endowment. And so the lesson we can learn from this is you got to know what you're doing. So first you got to build that foundation, then you build on your experience. After building on your experience, you go start to solve problems that haven't been solved yet. Then you serve your customer throughout their kind of life journey, throughout their customer journey, and then you can cash out. You know what you're doing it for. You know what the money is being used for. It is a tool, and that tool is meant to help people, to accelerate impact. There's not really anything else money is used for. You got your needs, you got your wants, and then you got impact. That's it. And as you get rich enough, you'll realize needs and wants can be covered fairly simply. But that impact, that rallying people, and that leading people, uh, money can always be a tool for that. So that's a bit about how Carnegie got his wealth high level and some of the lessons you can take along the way. Build the foundation. Build on that foundation with your experience or the experience of others after you've built on your experience, go solve problems that haven't been solved and then serve your customer before and after they need your product. Once you start to innovate in your industry, once you start to change the name of the game with the value that you're providing and then cash out and focus on impact. So that's what we got for you guys today on the show. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you on the next one. And remember, we are a community of people judged not by our wealth, but by our impact.